And we're back. About damn time. Really? Seriously? Yeah, I think the drugs are kicking in. It's probably good because I'm topless. That's what all podcasts need. God, we are. Bad Philosophy, episode 94, recorded on July 20th, 2011. Justice on Trial. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad philosophy. Upsetting the balance of reality, one rabbit trail at a time. We are back for episode 94, everybody. And uh, I've got a couple of special guests with me today. We're actually all live today. Um, unfortunately, Kiki Cannon had a, uh, a migraine come on and was not able to join us. Um, she will be dearly missed, but I will try to represent her opinion here today. However, I do have a couple of fantastic guests to the show, um, one of whom has never been on here before, one of whom you have heard a few times. Uh, first up, Mr. Matt Legler, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Stephen. A toast to you with my coffee. Thank you. <laughs> We're actually here in a, in a Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> here in Austin. Uh, they do have free Wi-Fi, but that actually didn't end up mattering. But still, they have donuts. <laughs> donuts. And that matters. And that matters. Um, also with us today, uh, Carson, and then I, I don't know your last name yet. Uh, Cummings. Carson Cummings. Carson Cummings. So well, welcome to the show. So we have kind of a, a tradition here. First time you're on the uh, on Bad Philosophy. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why anybody should care. Um, I'm a uh, psychology student at Texas Tech, and uh, don't really have to care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's probably never heard Kevin before, Actually, but that's, that's exactly what Kevin that's would the say. Best answer you can give. Uh, if you want to care, you can. Yeah. If you want to me, it's cool. <laughs> And, uh, well, hopefully we, we all care about, uh, about the same thing today, and that's uh, what we're talking, we're going back to the, the whole subject of law, um, and in the, the context of something that has been in the news quite a bit recently, in my opinion a little bit too much, and that is the, the verdict on the uh, death of Kaylee Anthony, and the, the trial of, of Casey Anthony, and, uh, and just all the, the furor and, and controversy around that, that subject, um, so, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners were in the same boat as, as myself. Um, I had absolutely no idea that this was even a thing until <laughs> yeah. until the verdict was read uh, a week and a half ago, roughly, yeah, some, I, something like that. I was in the same um, boat. I had no clue what was going on. Yeah. Until, I even, until on the 4th, I guess, the 3rd or the 4th of July. Well, how did you find out? Um, Facebook, actually. Facebook? Facebook. Facebook. Um, Is it unanimous? Yeah. I, well, <laughs> no, Twitter for me. Okay. I think, yeah. Because honestly, it was it was just such a such an obscure uh, topic. I mean, in, in my in my radar, like my my news stories are generally technology, technology, and web comics. <laughs> right. That's, that makes up the majority of my Google reader. And gadget and XKCD. Um, I actually, well, I might have heard about it first on NPR because I, I listen to the uh, the NPR short shortcast mm-hmm. um, every morning while I'm making breakfast. And I think I met, they might have mentioned the verdict on there. So, I, you know, that's where I first heard about it. I, you know, I thought, well, okay. That's, then I didn't think much of it at the time. And then everybody started comparing it to O.J. Simpson, right. to Jean Benet, to all these other situations where um, the public knew that the, that the person had, was guilty, and yet the court acquitted them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I started thinking about, well, okay, maybe this warrants some additional investigation. So to, to kind of summarize the whole... The whole situation, from what I gathered, reading the the lengthy Wikipedia article on the the death of Kaylee Anthony, is that um, a couple years back, um, Kaylee Anthony, who was four-ish, 
or three-ish at the time, uh, went missing. And um, it was not, she was not initially reported missing by her mother, Casey. Um, then a then then it was it was reported that that she was missing. Uh, Casey said that she had been with uh, some housekeeper whom nobody in the family had ever met before. Um, and then a you know a manhunt ensued, or I guess a missing persons hunt. I, I guess it wouldn't really it'd be a daughter's hunt or a girl. I don't even, I don't even know. See, what to, my problem with this whole story is already it doesn't make sense. Go ahead and finish it, but it already just right. seems so sketchy. Yeah, this is the you know, sketchiness starts from the beginning, but we'll, yeah, we'll go through all the way. Anyways, so so you know eventually um, her Kaylee's skeletal remains were discovered um, something like a, a year later, two years later, somewhere around there after her. Disappearance. Um, let's see. Well, no, wait. She was no, not not. Sorry, I'm, I'm thinking in other terms. Months. A couple of months after she was originally reported missing, um, her skeletal remains were discovered with duct tape over her mouth. Um, so you know, already kind of hmm, weird. Now, over the next couple of years, uh, you know, Casey. It was discovered that Casey had lied about the housekeeper. There actually was no housekeeper. Um, she had covered up a couple of things. There was, you know, suspicion. Mm-hmm. There, were, there was reason to suspect her of, of having murdered her daughter. Um, you know, trials ensued, investigations, uh, interviews. And over time, this, this kind of... A couple of stories developed. One, uh, you know, Casey was a partier. You know, her daughter was kind of a burden on her party lifestyle, and so she, you know, killed her daughter and covered it up to, you know, or made it look like an accident, not very well, (laughs) um, in order to to lift that burden from her. Uh, This was kind of supported by uh, diary entries of hers, uh, evidence of, you know, uh, the smell of the decaying body in the trunk of her car, of, you know, the duct tape over the mouth of the skeleton, things like this. Then, you know, her alternate story, though, was that her daughter had drowned in their pool, in, in her and her brother's uh, pool at their residence, and that they were so distraught over it that they wanted to cover it up and, and just get rid of it. So this um, was her, her, her parents, correct? Well, her parents... I, I forget exactly what role her parents play in this whole thing, but they... they were definitely on the side of suspicion, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, however, her brother, Casey and her brother, were, were mainly behind this, this alternative story. Kind of, you know, supporting Casey as, you know, a, per, a, a chronic liar. You know, right. she would always, you know, always cover up things, hide from the truth, you know, very reserved, that sort of thing. And so it, it would make sense for her to, you know, cover up an accident like this had happened, uh, just you know, to, to keep it from her parents or her friends or whatever. Uh, however, you know, the, the evidence for that was sketchy, mm-hmm. um, although there was circumstantial evidence in favor of this alternative story. Um, you know, there, there were reports of, uh, of her doing Google searches for how to make chloroform, you know, and chloroform was, of course, a way of, of drugging a person, putting them to sleep so that they could, you know, be more easily killed or transported or whatever. Um, it, it just it got really messy, <laughs> and you know, as I started reading farther down into the, the actual Steven, trial, does, does this smell like chloroform to you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Matt has tried to use that as a pickup line before. Yeah, oh, bad Matt. Back when I didn't know any better. That's that's <laughs> cheating. <laughs> but uh, uh, but so so you know, it just got really messy, and and both literally in the article and in just the trial, um, stories got conflicting, and mm-hmm. um, you know. The, Allegations of, of abuse came in from you know Casey Anthony and her relatives. Um, 
it just it just got really crazy, and and there was a lot of press coverage over this thing because you know obviously it's it's um, a, a beautiful you know young girl white um, you know her her beautiful young mother also white uh, and and just it's the classic mother daughter scenario you mm-hmm. know mothers should never kill their children you know right. should never do anything bad to their children and so you know Nancy Grace of course picked up on this um, all of the, the major news outlets during the trial which was this past uh, you know. June and July, um, there was just extensive press coverage the entire time, and it really, to me, felt very much like the public had made up its mind that she killed her daughter, based on on some of the initial evidence, and that the fact that and, and we heard this this verdict, you know, just about a week and a half ago, the fact that she was acquitted by the jury um, because the the uh, prosecution could not uh, adequately prove their case, it just outraged everyone. Um, you know. And and uh, so there's been this huge fallout and controversy over that decision. Now, I, I just want to you know open it up first. Like how how do y'all feel about the the whole thing? Just just from a gut perspective, like what? Not necessarily about the verdict, but just about the you know the case and, and its its repercussions. Uh, it seems it seems like so much of it doesn't make sense. It's all this confusing muddle of just stuff that doesn't relate to each other. It's like. <clears throat> Why was a corpse found with duct tape on its mouth? Right. How does that relate to anything? Like, there's so many pieces of evidence that don't fit but, but into the story a, at all. You know, a conclusive cause of death could never be proved, right? Like, or it could never be established. And which is, you know, that, that's what adds to the problem. And it, to be honest, we were just talking about Monty Python and you know, Bernie and the Witch. It actually kind of looks like that because <laughs> you said America had made up their mind. You look at Facebook or Twitter or Google Plus now, whatever, and people are screaming about this. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they're it, screaming it, just polls. like a mob would. They're like, oh. burn her, burn her. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. The, the vast majority of polls um, from, the, from the American people or from people familiar with, with the trial mm-hmm. um, were against Casey Anthony. I mean, it was, you know, 80, 70, 80% in favor of a guilty verdict, some, yeah. something like that. I mean, thank God that public opinion does not <laughs> run our court system, though, right? Right. I mean, uh, it just, you know, people definitely wanted her to, to receive the death sentence. And, and that's what was, was, was sought in this, in this case, was the, the death sentence. So, you know, it's, it's one of those situations, like the O.J. Simpson trial, where the, you know, the case would appear to be straightforward, but there's just a not, not enough evidence to prove in favor of a guilty verdict. Right. And, you know, reading the, the um, accounts from the jury, they were just torn up about it. The fact that, that you know, they couldn't convict her. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they couldn't raise a, a, a guilty verdict because the, the evidence just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you, you could say she got lucky in that case or that she was, you know, really smart in the way that she planned this whole operation and the story and everything. But, uh, you know, it does appear to me that she got away with murder. You know, there does appear to be circumstantial evidence in favor of the fact that she, she killed her daughter. However, you know, that's not the way the court system works. You have right. to prove beyond reasonable doubt that this, this happened. But you see, it brings up another interesting question. I was talking to my mom, who is, in, you know, fully thinks that, you know, there was a murder here, a mom murdering daughter. Like, she, if you asked her, that's what her opinion is. And granted, it's an opinion. Right. But... Um, she also followed it up by saying, well, what does make someone guilty? Like she said, for years, yeah. someone's been out with a magnifying glass looking at fingerprints. Like what? Just because of fingerprints on a murder weapon, like what makes someone guilty? You know, yeah. it's like if you don't see someone killing in the act of killing someone, an eyewitness, all these clues that we call them, like well, 
what do they really matter, you know? Well, and in this this kind of CSI culture, you know, everybody, it's one of the, I saw one of the criticisms in there was that, you know, juries are, you know, watching shows like CSI, Bones, NCIS, you know, they're watching all these, these you know, dramatically enhanced accounts of forensics, and so when uh-huh. they go into an actual courtroom, they sort of, <laughs> You know, expect there to be. This is boring. You know, yeah, they, they expect there to be DNA evidence, and they expect you know enhance. You know, can you enhance that? They want to see the swipe, and they like fly something off the table, exactly. and it ends up on the they, wall. They want to. Yes. They want to see the you know the video of the the people you know with with uh, sexy music playing in the background. <laughs> you know, in a dark room, looking at, at through um, you know microscopes. But it just doesn't work that way. No. Um, and in in this case, I mean, a lot of experimental uh, forensics was was used. Um, but it, it was just that experimental. It hasn't been uh, like one of the the, ev- the evidence for um, scent detection of, of uh, human decay um, mm. was was used at first in this. And some of the indicators were that there was human decay in the, the trunk of the car. There was like a dog used as well that, that could sense human decay. But you know, none of that was was uh, conclusive evidence, even though it all kind of points in that direction. None of it was really conclusive mm-hmm. to the point that that one could say, "Oh yes, definitely, this this proves this." Um, and I mean, people have been convicted on, on far less for sure, but you know, the, the jury just decided that that was uh, not enough. And you know, I I kind of I'm in I, I'm sort of on that side. I think yeah. they made the the correct decision. Maybe it wasn't the morally right decision, and that's kind of what I wanted to, to talk about next. So, when we have, you know, the reason we have a legal system, according to some people, is to enforce, uh, you know, social conventions of morality. On the other hand, um, others contend that that it is to um, to support the, uh, you know, either either the state or the sovereign or whatever the controlling powers. Uh, rulings should be in a, in a particular situation, um, regardless of the social conventions of, of morality. So these are kind of the, the two fundamental sides of um, the, the basis of legal validity in, in philosophy. The Casey Anthony trial is, is one of these situations where we kind of have a, a clash between what is what the public considers to be morally cor- morally right and what is legally correct to, to do. So, you know, Carson, for instance, you, you know, you were, you said uh, kind of before the show that you you felt that it was it was a correct decision, but it was a wrong decision, right? In some ways, yes. <clears throat> um, me with what I believe, mm-hmm. morally, they were following the law, um, and the way I see it, I, yes, in my opinion, she did it. I, I mean, okay, that's. Almost anyone in America can see that she did it. Yeah, that's... <laughs> but, the thing is, who, who am I to convict her? Mm. I, I wasn't there, I didn't see her do it. So, in my opinion, the jury made the correct decision in every way possible. Right. Because if they had convicted her, morally that'd be wrong if she had not done it. Well, yeah, and, and I think more importantly, legally, you know, it's, yes. yeah. I, mean, I think we, that that's interesting, though. He combined moral and legal in the same sense there, which yeah, is, so but, I, but I, I mean, he did it intentionally, because, yeah. in, a, in a way, because it's it's like the two, in this case, from what he's saying, if his morals line up with the legal system, they're saying that, you know, you can't prove she's guilty, so why kill someone you can't prove that's guilty? Yeah. Morally, that seems like the that right thing to do. That would be morally do. wrong, right? Ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and legally, though. 
it's well, both. Okay, yeah. If it, if it was a legally incorrect decision, that would lead to a you know morally uh, incorrect or morally wrong act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know that's bad, of course. But you know, it, it's this this does appear to be kind of a gray area, though, right? I mean, we would. Why? Why do we? Why does the public want her dead? Because we perceive a murderer, right? And murderers should be punished, right? That's the, the right. kind of we. You know, we have this this kind of pseudo uh, legal uh, idea that you know murderers should die, right? Quote unquote. We don't want bad guys to get away with murder. Yes, or exactly. get get away. Yeah, and I mean that that kind of gets into in punishment theory more so. But you know, in this case, I want to kind of talk about the you know just the fundamental separation between or or should there be a separation between um, morality and mm-hmm. legality or legal legal you know should morality be a basis for legal validity or not mm-hmm. um, now in in kind of in actual philosophical terms it, it breaks down into into two camps uh, na- natural lawyers or natural law is is the theory that that law is based on uh, social what we call social norms mm-hmm. so you know social norms are are um, you know our morals are uh, you know practices etiquette that sort of thing and so you know law is merely an extension and encapsulation of those uh, social norms in you know a, a rule-based structure this is in contrast to uh, legal positivism which you know claims that that legal validity does not derive um, exclusively from morals uh, it can but it's it it doesn't have to basically it's not doesn't necessarily have to um, so it's based around the the, the separation thesis um, see let's see if I can find it in here using the the ever uh, ever useful Stanford encyclopedia of philosophy which will um, definitely give you all a link to I'm glad to see you're carrying that around in your backpack yeah yeah of course um, okay so the, the social thesis um, the social thesis is basically that uh, law is profoundly a social phenomenon and that the conditions of legal validity consist of social that is non-normative facts so that's in contrast to the separation thesis, uh, which maintains that there is a conceptual separation between law and morality. That is, between what the law is and what the law ought to be. So that's, I, you know, and it may or may not be obvious immediately what that, what that separation is, but we'll kind, of, we'll kind of explore that a little bit in, in the episode here. So in the case of, of, um, of Casey Anthony, how do you all kind of see that playing out? I mean, is, is it that, you know, the law in this case... Uh, supported morality or didn't, or supported the moral decision or didn't. I I think it goes back to what Carson mentioned earlier, in that if you know, I think that everything that someone decides in a society is going to be based. Upon, I mean, it's their it's their decision to decide if they want a law that's based on morality. So I fall into the camp of saying it, you have a decision of whether or not you want to choose to have your law around morality because. Um, there's plenty of times in history where someone can set up a law through a government that is not moral, normatively or a- anything like it. Hmm. There's been plenty of instances of that. I mean, most obvious is Hitler. I mean, th- there's law, but it's not moral, and no one would agree that that's moral. You oh, know? okay. And so there you have an instance of law that's not moral. And so I don't. I think the two are very separate. But yeah, it, but it is law. It, 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 so, it is so law. is but yeah. More, an unjust is an unjust law. Is still law, 
That's that's one of the yes. tenets of the separate. That you would follow in you would fall into the camp of legal positivism mm-hmm. for saying that. But an unjust law, if an unjust law is law, mm-hmm. that's that's saying that there can be a separation between just what is just or what is moral yes. and what well, is legal. Yeah, but what's um, ha- having justice served? Like sometimes, I think in this case, justice was not able to be served in the sense that. Um, if she's guilty, justice was not served. We just couldn't prove that. Okay. Does that make sense? But the the and morality is okay with that, saying that you couldn't prove, you couldn't do anything with it, so justice could not be served because you can't morally prove. Um, and this, like, if you're going on speculation, how can you say that it's moral to say that someone's guilty? Ah, uh, yeah, but it, you know, mm, in in this case though, it, it's. It's not, it wasn't speculation. I mean, there was definitely evidence well, sure. in, in favor of, of which guilty verdict. Which brings up did the Wall Street Journal article. Right. Which, this is a very interesting quote. Um, yeah. They wrote, they said, um, they, they're distinguishing between different kinds of courts. They said, a criminal trial is not a search for truth. Scientists search for truth. Philosophers search for morality. A criminal trial searches for only one result, which is proof beyond a reasonable doubt. A civil trial, on the other hand, seeks justice for the victim. In this case, you're not seeking justice for the victim. You're looking for um, proof beyond a, beyond a reasonable doubt that, mm. that this person is guilty. And in that case, in a criminal court, that the jury said, hey, we don't have that. Right. And so that's why they made the decision that they did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, very, it's very messy. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very messy. And this, this is one of the reasons why I didn't become a lawyer, because... <laughs> It's, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of emotion in this. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that's one, one thing we really haven't talked about is there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of feeling on the part of the public, on the part of, of everyone involved in the trial, uh, and, and, and that's kind of getting intermixed into the legal system. But if you Casey know, Anthony walked into Dunkin' Donuts this morning, would we, sh- would we be able to let her sit here and have coffee with us? Ooh, I, you know. Uh, that's it, a good question. Would, right? What's I mean, your take on that? <laughs> Matt, you and I, we would probably have. I mean, I, I think you and I would. I don't know I don't know Stephen well enough to say no. that, but I think me and Matt, I think Matt and I could sit here and talk to her without really judging her, because who are we to judge her? Um, I mean, we, we weren't there. We weren't in Florida. We, we didn't get to see it's what true. went on. Yeah, and, and I, would, I would actually kind of agree with that. I mean, okay, whatever she may or may not have done. Exactly. So I, you know, at the, at the end of the day, she's a human being that's walking through that front door. What makes her different than the other guy that walked through exactly. the front door? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yes, I would have preconceptions about her, and probably might look at her a little funny. <laughs> you I might, would, you might squint. I might, yeah. And I might ask her some uh, different questions mm-hmm. and try and get something out of her. I, you know, but I wouldn't I, even go there. Like, yeah. I, I, I definitely just, yeah. would. Just my personality and everything. I definitely would have to go there. I'm, I, so did so, you really do it? Did you really do it? <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say that. But I, I mean, I, I would definitely have to have to kind of pry a little bit. You know, yeah. if I'm yeah. in that position, then why but not? It's like it's the question of though, like you talk about the emotions behind it. Yeah. Once something. Like, like this happens on whatever scale it is. If it's small, if it's in your county, well, now your county hates you. If it's in your state, now your state. If it's on the federal court, now the the, the world hates you. Oh, yeah, like, because it's been and, you know. And so was it? You know, let's talk about the, the question of, of uh, the publicity in this case. Mm-hmm. You know, was it was it right? Or you know, morally, let's let's forget legally. Was it morally you know acceptable for the courts to, to just make such a spectacle of this? I don't I don't think so. I think it should have been. Uh, Toned down a lot. Yeah. Because 
when you scale something up that big, of course the world is going to have something to play into it. put a lot of pressure on the jury's shoulder. Yes. Because think about it. You're sitting in the jury room and you're talking to all the other jurors. And you're saying, well, we want to convict her. But you're saying, okay, well, if we convict her, there's going to be a ton of people saying out there saying, you had no hard proof. You had nothing saying she absolutely did it, yeah. so why'd you convict her? Yeah. And then if we don't convict I her, you have the whole world hating you for not convicting her. Yeah, I, I think in this case that there would have been, and as we've seen by the polls, there are more people in favor of a guilty verdict. Uh, of course, so it can you know, go both ways. For the jury, the popular decision would have been to convict her. It may not have been the, the legally correct decision, but you know the public definitely would have vindicated uh, that that decision. Yes. But could could the jury have lived with themselves in that case? No, I mean, I, I think I they're they're an impossible. They were really in an impossible situation. Yeah, they're stuck maybe, between a rock and a hard place. So let's say there wasn't all the publicity around it. You know, it, there wasn't all the, the the charged emotions from from everybody who was watching the trial. Mm -hmm. Would it have been you know easier for the jury to make the, the decision they did? Uh, would they have been you know would have been easier for them to do that? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I, I think it still would have been a really hard decision for them, regardless. Because you know when they're in that courtroom, I mean they were still secluded. Um, from, from any sort of, uh, they, they did, I mean, they knew that there was public attention on this, but they maybe didn't realize the extent of that attention. So, you know, it, it, there's there's a question of whether that you know the the um, enhanced media coverage of the situation or you know extraordinary media coverage actually affected the um, atmosphere of the of the trial itself, or might have actually affected the the decision. Now, we never want that to happen, right? We want law to be completely and totally objective. But oftentimes it isn't, <laughs> you know? And, and uh, you know, I, I just can't... There's a, lot to, there's a lot to dislike about this situation, but it really, it makes... It brings a lot of issues to, uh, to bear. Uh, most yeah. especially are just country's obsession with, with crime. <laughs> yeah, and, and one just, thing you know, I wonder we, too we is see like, it as such a spectacle. When, when the spectacle's going on, do people see um, an issue with law in our legal system, or do they see an issue with that particular jury? That's something that I, doesn't, I haven't seen anything conclusive on. I don't know if, um, if the world's mad at those you know, few people sitting in a courtroom behind closed doors, closed doors, quote-unquote, you know, right. or are they mad at um, the way um, people are punished in our society? Like, do they, like, would they rather see people not have a fair trial? Like, what is it that upsets people yeah, about Yeah, I mean, it's the law of mentality, right? You know, yeah. people want, you know, whatever justice that they desire at that point, and it's, and it's oftentimes not actually just. <laughs> you know, yeah. right after this happened, I was actually on my way back to Lubbock and I was listening to the radio. Yeah. It was the day after the trial and everything, and so everyone on the radio was saying, call in, let us know what you think about the Casey Anthony trial. Yeah. And surprisingly, because I expected it just to be a bunch of people mad at the world because she's not in jail and on death row. <laughs> um, surprisingly, it was about 50-50, and some, really? a lot of the people on there were saying, you know, if I was in the jury's position, I would have made the same decision. Yeah. Um, I understand what was going on. A lot uh, more people than I thought would understand that they made the lawfully correct okay. decision, which surprised me. Because I, I thought that way, of course, but I was thinking most people aren't going to think that way. Mm -hmm. But it surprised me. Well, I kind of wanted to, to shift uh, directions here and talk a little bit about, um, I mean, ju just going back to sort of the spectacle of it all. Um, hmm. 
one of the things that, I, you know, Kevin Saunders, unfortunately, wasn't able to, to be with us for the episode. He's uh, on his way to San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> so, uh, having going a lot to a of better fun. place. I, I forgive him for that, yeah. But uh, he did have an, a, an opinion that he expressed to me on this yesterday, um, that he doesn't really care too much about uh, the verdict itself, but definitely about the way that the, the media covered this. Uh, mm-hmm. Mainly the, the fact that we have a perp walk here in the states where we you know we have kind of the we, we put the allegedly uh, we, we put the accused uh, out in sort of the public sphere and you know have this this uh, you know photo walk where you know they they're they're escorted by a police officer or you know a, a judge or you know everybody looks somebody. guilty when you do that yeah everybody looks guilty when they're with you know a law enforcement officer walking down or up the steps of a courtroom yeah um, and it, it's just it's horrible because it, it associates um, guilt with uh, mm-hmm. accusation, and we cannot do that. I mean, innocent until proven guilty, mm-hmm. above all. Um, other countries don't do this. In fact, Paris or uh, France in general just has a law that you cannot have a perp walk. I mean, absolutely not. You can mm-hmm. never have the press cover the accusation of an individual before they have been tried. And I think that's that's a very important distinction that we do not have here in the United States. Mm-hmm. It is for us guilty until proven innocent in in the cases where the public uh, feels as such. So yeah, we really need to work on that. Well, for, the, the issue is this whole media. For our own sake. <laughs> it, it, it's this media bias topic where, or you know, all of us in the young hip generation love the internet, love our technology, love the instant access we have to any topic, any piece of information, anything that's ever been published. Like, if there's anything that someone said, it's going to be available to us through the internet. And we, you know, day in, day out, we say that's a good thing. Um, in the academic sphere, that's a good thing. And then all of a sudden you get into the courtroom and, all the, and it seems like a bad thing. Yeah, well, because it's much easier to amplify falsity. Mm-hmm. In in such a connected age, um, it, you know, gossip spreads at the speed of Twitter, <laughs> um, and that's exactly what happened in this uh-huh. case. So I, I kind of wanted to, to shift gears a little bit again and uh, and talk about you know in the greater context of, of you know the entertainment value of, of crime and kind of you know examining right and wrong in some other context. There are a couple shows doing this nowadays. Um, one of which I just got into recently, and that's uh, Breaking Bad. Um, other one we're going to talk about is, is Dexter here in a second. So first, Breaking Bad, the, the concept of the, of the show basically is uh, there's, there's this guy, uh, Mr. White, who's a chemistry teacher in uh, Arizona, or New Mexico. New Mexico. Um, used, to be, used to work at the, uh, the Los Alamos uh, labs. Uh, big guy. Uh, at this point in the series, I don't know why he, he got out of it, but he teaches chemistry uh, at a high school there, um, and he's really passionate about it. So he finds out one day that uh, he has lung cancer, and um, you know he's pretty devastated by it. But I think you know he has sort of an epiphany. His, his brother-in-law is a DEA agent and uh, invites him to come along on a, uh, a ride along to see the bust of a meth lab. And in so in, in discovering this, he kind of sees the meth lab and he sees how it, kind of the crude chemistry setup and everything. And the gears start turning in his mind, and he. He sees a former student of his uh, escaping the crime scene and uh, goes to meet up with him later and says, Hey, would you like to cook meth together? 
Uh, now, if so you ever heard your professor <laughs> say that, yeah, well, it's like forty-year-old guy. The roughly. kid is just kind of like dumbfounded. Yeah. He's like, "Wait, like, you want what? to break bad? Yeah, you're like forty. Why are you doing this? Yeah, exactly. And the reason is he wants to provide for his family. You know, exactly. he's got two years to live, roughly. So he's going to use all the skills that he can to, in the, the quickest time possible, make a ton of money because you know, good math is it brings in a lot of money um, to just build up enough money to to not only support his own chemotherapy. Uh, but also to pay for his kids' uh, education, uh, college, and support his family. Talk for, about an insurance policy for the 21st century. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's... It's well, that's the thing. He cooks this meth, and the guy he's cooking it with is just astounded at how good it is. Yeah. It's just pure crystals. It's clear as glass. Because he's an excellent chemist. <laughs> exactly. He knows exactly. And that's what he says. He says it's just pure chemistry. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. simple chemistry. Yeah. So it's in, in, but the question of the show is, and he kind of over the over the season uh, and a half that I've watched so far, he sort of discovers the way to be to be bad, <laughs> but exactly. he but he's constantly wrestling with the the actions of of uh, you know being a criminal and of of the moral component to the criminal world, and it, it brings up an interesting question: Is it possible to be a moral criminal? Robin Hood, right? Yes. <laughs> So you know, and it, it just and it examines it in a very contemporary context. Uh-huh. You know, um, drug manufacturing in this case is is still you know very illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, you will get busted and get a lot of time for for doing the things that's, that's depicted in the series here. But you know, he's as he says, he just makes it right. Um, whatever happens after that point, he washes his hands up. Mm-hmm. So. You know, there there are other drug uh, dealers that he comes into contact with in the sphere, other other criminals that are you know very clearly morally bad people that you know who kill others uh, frequently, torture you know who uh, you mm, know, launder torture. yeah yeah who, <laughs> uh, who, that's who the sticky steal topic. money who you know do bad deals, charge insane interest, these sorts of things, and uh, you know he he considers himself. You know, he 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 finds that distasteful. You know, a lot of the, these actions, he just he just he's not okay with. Um, so, you know, but still, he is. If you think about it, he's yeah. doing a very very illegal thing. Right. And, so, and it raises the question of you know earlier I said that I don't think that because something's law that it's uh, moral, but um, you know, you flip it around and you say, at what point can you be doing something for a moral reason? And still be breaking the law and not be breaking morality. Mm-hmm. You know, how far can you back it up? And, right. And so, can you be saying, "Yeah, I'm going to do something more. I'm going to provide for my family. This is a very moral thing to do." Yeah. I'm, so, it, it, it well, the here's question. my question: Who says what is moral? Oh boy. I'm just curious because who says drugs is immoral? From my point of view, it is. I I completely mm-hmm. agree with that statement that it is immoral, but. In some people's mind, it's not. You have I, you have to understand that that mm-hmm. drug dealers' minds, it's not immoral what they're doing because they're making people happy. That's right. The way it's they a business. Think about it. Yeah, but you know, you think about it. We we have all sorts of drugs. I mean, Matt is is partaking in one right now. Hey, just because I'm on a nice tall cup of coffee. Just because I'm on a like forty eight ounce caffeine. High. Okay, it's only twenty ounce. Twenty ounce. <laughs> so, so caffeine is an incredibly powerful addictive drug. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, it is legal. So, you know, is it, is it, but the question is, is it, is it moral too to drink coffee? Is it morally acceptable? Yeah. Well, yes, of course, <laughs> right? But, you know, think about, think about other drugs like alcohol, uh, tobacco, 
uh, marijuana, you know, we, we can put them all together. I mean, they're all, they're all drugs. They're addictive to a certain extent. They have some sort of psychological or physiological effect that we find beneficial, um, either from a just, you know, enjoyment standpoint or from a practical standpoint. You know, coffee helps me get up and going in the morning. You know, alcohol takes the edge off. Uh, you know, Coffee gets me up in the morning, alcohol puts me in bed at night. <laughs> right. You know, c- cigarettes help me relax, whatever. Um, you know, the, each drugs seem to have a purpose, right? Of course. Um, and it's, it's funny, and, and they raise this question in the show, how some drugs are legal and some are not. Right. Now, we've, we've, of course, had this debate on the show before, um, but in, in the case of, of, uh, of the, the show Breaking Bad, he's, he's just making... A substance, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, the substance has certain effects, but he's just producing the substance. He's not going out in there and telling people you must have, you know, must take this. You know, he's not pushing it. He's just making it and selling it. He's a business person. It's kind of like saying, case. is it is it immoral for a gun manufacturer for Ruger to build a pistol? Right. I would equate I, I would equate Mr. White in this mm-hmm. in the show to someone who makes. Um, nuclear weapons, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> maybe not on that quite that scale, but you know, a weapons manufacturer, right? Yeah. It's guns, knives, bombs, whatever. I mean, we have perfectly, you know, we're we're totally accepting of the, of the mm-hmm. fact that you know we have complete industries here in the United States built solely around manufacturing deadly firearms <laughs> and you know ammunition for those deadly firearms. Um, you know, we're making things far deadlier than than meth. Um, and it's, you know, it's grandmas, it's, uh, well, maybe not grandmas, but it's, you know, it's moms, it's dads, it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, down Main Street America yeah. making these, making these uh, things. And, now, and, and, they, and it's, it's morally okay for them to do so. Right. How and is it any different in the case of manufacturing? I, I think some, some people may, may argue that there's no uh, good or um, solid purpose for producing a deadly weapon because that's the way they see it is only a right. deadly weapon there's plenty of people in America who are hunters or shoot competition for fun uh-huh. now backing that up to drugs the question was asked um, well is there anything that is a positive benefit to society from these drugs yes he's just a business and yes the weapons manufacturer is just a business but take it a step further yes they're the same there take it a step further one can be used in a proactive building army that protects your country something that's good Ooh, can, that's, can the drugs be used for anything good like can you t- can you take drugs proactively to like maybe like you know we've got a lot of well, you got to focus on the fact that it's not just the drug it's what people do while they're on the drug that worries people so much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I mean, I've seen people tweaked out on meth, and they will literally do anything for their next hit. Mm-hmm. Um, or and same thing with coke. If you're that addicted to coke, you're gonna do anything for that next bump. Right. Um, you, you feel like you need it, and going through a detox program is so painful that you're like, why would I stop this? I'm happy. It might be yeah. killing me, but I'm gonna die happy. A sad but happy death to them. But that's not. You know, in, in Mr. White's case, like, that's not something that he really needs to worry about. I no, I, I'm just talking about drugs in America because in general. Because the demand is there. I mean, it, exactly. when he gets to this point, like, the demand is there. Why it's there? Well, he's not really concerned about that. Exactly. He's just a businessman. Yeah. And it's, you know, yes, I, you know, I, in my opinion, you know, he is, it's, a, it's okay for him to have, he has a code. You know, he, there are certain things that he will not do mm-hmm. in the carrying out of this business. Right. Um, similar to, and you know, we'll talk about here next, Dexter. So, so the, the show Dexter is about a serial killer who kills only other serial killers. Right. Only, like he will not kill anyone who's who has not also killed. I think we're okay, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
which is a fascinating premise, right? And he's he he has this uh, code for you know uh, because of you know it was given to him by a police officer, uh, godfather of his or foster father of his, um, you know for for reasons that that. I won't spoil because <laughs> um, it's an it's an excellent series in the way it sets up everything. But uh, you know, what about that? What about yeah. that? You know, let's look at it in the context just of killing, you know, in not, the context not drugs of or war. Like at, at the end of the day, every soldier has to ask themselves: Are they okay with doing what they're doing? It mm-hmm. doesn't matter whether or not you know mom thinks it's okay or brother thinks it's okay. Right? Are you okay with your decisions that you're making at that point? You know. So what? Is, you know, is he? So is he a? Um, is he a vigilante soldier? A citizen soldier? In a way. In, that case? in, in a way, yes. That's what it sounds like to me. He's enforcing the law, essentially. Well, because he doesn't have the he doesn't have a badge. And the way I see it, because if you mur- <laughs> if you murder someone, if there's a serial serial killer out there and they're killing people and he kills them, what wrong did he do? Well he killed someone legally that's wrong. He's enforcing yes. primitive law. Like, exactly, but he is he is essentially taking the law into his own hands, yeah, right? Exactly. So, but he is not. Uh, yes, he he works for the police department and forensics, but mm-hmm. he's not he's not a legally designated enforcer of the law, which would make him breaking the law in today's society. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's it's explored from a number of different contexts in the in the show, from a number of different perspectives. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I'm, there's, I'm looking over a... Uh, I, I got all your groove into a song. I don't know. Whatever song's going on in the background right now is just really groovy. Uh, ain't that America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carson and I are over your head bobbing. <laughs> I think we found our post-show song. <laughs> do, do you want me to like, s- s- like do the song hound thing throughout what it is for you? No, no. It's Ain't That America. Right? Is it really? Yeah. That's a, Spotify that. Spotify that. I don't think you'll be able to use that. I don't think I can. Because your microphone's plugged in. But anyways. Yeah. Technology fail. Technology fail. You can use your computer. Um, let's see. To look it up. And then it downloads directly to your phone from your computer. Okay, so here, there's, this is coming from uh, philosophynews.com. Uh, they have actually an article exploring the, the philosophy of Dexter. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> arguably one of the most fascinating and appealing elements of the show must be the sense of justice, if it truly is justice, that is felt by audiences as they watch Dexter eliminate murderers who, never, who have never been caught or who were acquitted. Dexter seems to fill in the cracks left by our legal system. Not only is this highly entertaining to some, but more importantly, it may be morally satisfactory. Uh, Let's not kid ourselves. Although Dexter believes that he is balancing the scales of justice, his greater concern is satisfying his lust for murder. Hmm. Uh, However, fans of the show will be moved by his elimination of murderers who feel they should not be running around the streets scot-free. Although they intended as entertainment, the creators and writers of Dexter depend on an important philosophical assumption in order to make this TV series popular. The notion that criminal injustices occur in American society, and the fact that there probably is a resultant disillusionment by the populace towards the American legal system. The concept carries the appeal of the show to its fans. This philosophical underpinning is necessary for the popularity of this TV series. Yeah. <laughs> it goes yeah. back to this is a fantastic article. I mean, there's yeah. there's uh, there's a, there's a lot to love in in this in this article, and it really covers covers the issue in greater detail. Um, 
It's, we'll, we'll it put sounds it in the show like, notes, but you can wrap it with one word: emotions. If that's all they're doing. Is like, yeah, yeah, they're saying, definitely. They're taking I mean, it's, people. It's the same reason why, why, and it brings us right back to Casey Anthony. Yeah. People feel that there was an injustice done mm-hmm. in this case. That you know, <laughs> someone did, did the greatest mashup ever: um, a photo of uh, of uh, you know the, the you know Casey Anthony verdict right on the uh, on the newspaper that Dexter's holding. <laughs> there's, there's, a little, there's a little speech bubble above him that says, "We'll see about that." Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about that, yeah. I was gonna say maybe Dexter's gonna come for Casey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, someone it's, already it's went open there. Source <laughs> <law>. <laughs> yeah. uh, open source law. Yeah. Open source law. Now that's an hey. interesting concept. Um, what, what if the Constitution was written on Wikipedia? Oh, I'm not sure I'd even be alive. If you take someone off, you can just put on there. It's legal to kill Carson Cummings. And I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it has to be vetted by everybody, right? That's you know, that's essentially pure Social democracy. Law. That's, oh, oh, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, that's pure, pure democracy, which is not good. <laughs> um, yeah. We we have a representative uh, system of we government. We have a republic. With, yeah, a republic. We don't have a pure democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, because in this case, like if you had a pure democracy, like every decision is made by, by popular vote, Casey Anthony would be dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and that may not be the correct decision. Uh, right. That's exactly what would happen. Right. Soundboard. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha covered. Does she float? Burn her. Yeah. Um, Weigh as much as a duck. No, a rock. A rock. So there's uh, there's one more um, quote I want to read from this uh, this article. If murder is the worst crime and death is the worst punishment, then the punishment fits the crime. But then again, maybe the worst punishment is being tortured, hung, drawn, and quartered before <laughs> being bled to death in front of an angry mob. Got tarred and feathered. <laughs> Why not t- tarred, feathered, drawn, and quartered? Dang. That would. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Oh. Why not set this worst punishment equal to murder? There is a simple answer. Most people find this kind of thing barbaric and evil. We do not want to impose the worst punishment imaginable on the worst crimes imaginable because we do not want to trust or t- treat people, even murderers, in that way. It has nothing to do with making a punishment equal to the crime. Bingo. It is instead about fit. A punishment should fit our intuitive sense of what is legitimate and justified for a crime. Um, I mean, the, the way that Dexter kills his um, his victims is the same in every case. Like mm-hmm. he he gives them a, a paralytic, uh, straps them down, and then uh, slits their throat on both sides. On both sides, time. yeah. <laughs> um, or stabs them in the heart. He does that too. Um, and which is pretty brutal, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's you know it's definitely not lethal injection. No. <laughs> so uh, it, you it, know, we would call that a very violent. Death. <laughs> right. Well, and, and some have argued that in the case, in the Casey Anthony case, um, maybe they should not have sought the death penalty. Maybe it should have been a life sentence, mm-hmm. and maybe it would have been easier to convict on a life sentence than on a death sentence. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I think it. I don't. I can't say Did it would have, yeah. but it could have very easily come, came to a different conclusion if it hadn't been the death penalty. If it had just been. 200 years in prison. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, and, and I wonder why, you know, we don't have the provision to, to change the uh, sentence, you know, or to... to the to, jury. Yeah. Well, well, why the jury I don't understand why the jury can't decide... The extent to the, which the one extent is the punishment. punishment. Well, usually, take, okay, that's usually for the judge to decide. But, you know... Exactly, the, well, that's what I'm saying. I don't understand why the... If, if we're being judged by our peers, then I think our peers should decide what punishment we deserve rather than a judge... Yeah, I don't know. Because a judge has knowledge of legal precedent, they know like what 
what punishment has been prescribed in a similar situation uh, uh, in the past. Of course. So, and I'm not saying yeah. a judge should be there to guide the jury, but at the same time, mm. I do think the jury should be able to say, well, we don't want to give her the life sentence, but we do. Or we don't want to give her the death penalty, but we do want to give her a life sentence. Right, right. I think the ultimate question we're looking at is, if you were in her situation, if whether or not you were guilty, would you want a fair trial? Yes. Yes. And if yes. you want a fair trial, can you honestly say that let's, if you were Casey Anthony and you were not guilty, what happens when America thinks you're guilty? How, how do you feel in that situation? Like, well, she's definitely not going to stay in America. No. no yeah. She's going to Mexico somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, you know, if, let's Otherwise, say... someone will, I, and I do believe that that someone will come after her. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's that big of a deal in America right now that someone's going to be like, oh, well, she deserves to die. Yeah. Go, come after her. Someone like Dexter. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, would you rather be killed wrongly for something you haven't done, or would you rather, you know, have to hide the rest of your life? Again, I, I doubt that people in Argentina know about what's going on in America. <laughs> yeah. And so she could go find a little hut down there, live a happy life. Learn jiu-jitsu. That's why all the Nazis exactly right. could go there. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. That wasn't funny. Uh, <laughs> that was a bad um, joke. But, you know, we have a legal system for a reason. It's to make sure that um, people are not, you know, sentenced for something they didn't do. They're exactly. innocent and proven guilty. And exactly. I, it all comes down to they made the right decision. The jury did make the right decision in the I, sense that they, can, they couldn't prove it with, beyond a shadow of a doubt. That, it's the right decision in a criminal so, court. Mm. <laughs> Steven's not convinced. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm reading other stuff on here. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> convinced by that. I just, you know, I think one of, one of the reasons why... Uh, one of the reasons why people are so upset over this is, is just, th- there are cosmetic reasons. I mean, Casey Anthony is, is, she should be like the ideal mother. Like, she's, you know, actually kind of hot. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, she looks <laughs> here you are calling her hot. Yeah, I mean, it's sketchy I just, hot. I just have to say, like, the first time I saw a picture of it, I was like, hmm, that's, that's definitely Okay, so she has to make it. She didn't, she didn't look pathetic on I mean, TV. We have this, we have, exactly. Again, the psychological disconnect. It's like, no, someone that beautiful with that beautiful daughter right, does right. not do bad things. Mm-hmm. Beautiful people don't do bad things. Right. There's and, this stereotype of what bad people look like and who yeah. you expect to do bad things, and right. she does not match that. Yeah. That's exactly. And that's why we're so upset about it. It's like, oh my God, this you know. If she was your neighbor, white, beautiful woman. If she yeah, was your neighbor, this horrible thing. What could I do? Well, the other aspect is, I think people are so angry about it because mothers and fathers in America say, "What if that was my child?" Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, they think there's no way I could do that to my daughter. There's no way that I could go 30 days without knowing where my daughter was. And there's yeah. not more of a connection, much more of a connection anywhere in society than other than a parent-child relationship. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I think we've kind of we've talked ourselves in enough circles here to, to cover to cover most of the ground. Has it been bad or has it been? It has it has been. <laughs> um, but you know, let's we, we've got a little bit of time remaining on the show, so let's uh, let's do the form spring. Yeah. yeah. Do we have questions? Um, I'm about to find out. So, uh, Matt, entertain us in the meantime. <laughs> well, um, I would juggle or show off my scuba diving license or something cool that I've been doing, but I, none of those work on an audio podcast. Audio. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Um, um, do you know the login for the form spring? You know, I did at one point, and uh, instead of typing in form spring, form spring, I typed in Foursquare. <laughs> Wait a minute. Form spring. Oh, sorry. I'm signing up. Let's see bad flow. Don't sign up. Sign in. <laughs> right. I'm going to see if I still have the password. But uh, 
in other news and entertaining you, I'm really excited for nothing because apparently Lion's nothing, but I'm really excited. I'm installing it when I go to work today. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. Oh, <laughs> first question What is the meaning of life? Uh, um, I'm, let's just let's skip that one. Um, Where's that one? Oh, hey, here's a good one. Uh, how do you select your end music for your episodes? <laughs> oh. So this is something, I guess, we just really take it for granted, but uh, after every episode, we kind of have a little discussion. We decide on, like, either a song that we like or something that sort of fits the, the theme of the episode, either lyrically or thematically, and, uh, and it, 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 we just kind of play around with a few ideas and, and then use it. <laughs> it's it's kind of... It's by consensus. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. Here, answered at the end of. It's the same way a group decides where to go eat lunch. Right. Episode ninety-four. Okay. Cool. Um, let's see. What athlete oh. do you most want to meet? Uh, well, that's the form spring one. Or yeah, that's that's something they posted. Uh, an entire show topic: the philosophy of sadomasochism. Oh, good idea! We'll do that next time. <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> and that's how you decide the Indian music. Ooh, I love this. Pro- prove to me that you are not figments of my imagination. We can't. Uh, well, yes, we can actually. Tell them to come to our next live show at South by Southwest. Yeah, but they might be imagining that. Uh, well, we'll slap. No, 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 no. Here, no. It's like we, no, we can't, and that's epistemology. Oh. <laughs> We win. Uh, yeah. Are there, are there any other form of spring questions, Stephen? Uh, yes. Um, ba, 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 ba. I think you're off key. Let's see. Uh, am I? Am I? Oh, well, this one's just kind of cute. Uh, if there were a girl, if there were a girl who, say, loved ASL and fed her love by watching videos on YouTube, and thus ended up finding your page and realizing how awesome you are in the process, what would you say to her if she asked you a hypothetical question such as this? It, <laughs> Wait. Intriguing. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you not did you not read the question before you started the, reading the, the question? Hypothetically, what would you say if I asked you a hypothetical question? Eleven forty. Hypothetically? Is that meta enough for you, Matt? It, it That's is. That's pretty meta, isn't it? That's I'm just gonna say that. That's you know what so I would meta. answer with? I would build my answer out of Lego bricks. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that's so meta. Alrighty. Well, that's that's cool. Um, I'm glad people are having fun with Form Spring. I know. <laughs> so, gentlemen, thank you for for joining me here on the show today. I, you know, it, it was it was a lot of fun. I think we covered most of the bases here. Um, but uh, I really appreciate y'all's, y'all's participation. Yeah, thanks, thanks, man. Had, had a good discussion. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, where can people find you on the uh, on the interwebs? People can still find me. Well, if they can find me on Google Plus, go for it, Matt Legler. <laughs> <laughs> or facebook.com slash legmar is always where you can find me. Nice. Uh, Carson, do you have any internet presence? I have Facebook. <laughs> okay. Um, if you feel like giving out your Facebook, great. Hey, I, but... think it's, uh, I think it's Chummer09. There's a story behind that name. <laughs> uh, if you want to know, just yeah. find it. But... Or just look for Carson Cummings. Yeah, or just yeah. look for Carson Cummings. Carson Cummings. Cool. Uh, you can find me, of course, on uh, on the Twitter webs at twitter.com slash s-torrence, S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E. Uh, you can follow the show at uh, badphilosophy.com, twitter.com slash badphilosophy, and submit your own questions for the Form Spring that we do at the end of every episode at formspring.me slash, you guessed it, badphilosophy. So uh, thank you all for listening to the show. Uh, you know, we hope you find justice in the world, and uh, we'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy.
as I was telling y'all the other night, I want to see the uh, the love child of uh, Pandora and Spotify. I want Spandorify. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I said sounds like a bad '70s outfit. <laughs> <laughs> just like the tuxedo. They <laughs> just like that. Yeah. Philosophy.com. <laughs> <laughs>